Well, welcome back to the podcast, yo. How you doing? You you, you amazing person. You you beautiful person. I hope hope everything's going good in your life. I hope I hope you're achieving all your goals, all your your personal milestones. You know, some crazy shit. I feel good right now. I feel I feel okay. I feel fine. You know, this is uh, this is the egotistical, narcissistic part of the show. It's always at the start. <laughs> it's about me right now. <laughs> I don't know. I feel good. I feel fine. I've just been working on some projects and, you know, been been doing this thing. But uh, I don't want to take up too much time right now. I'm uh, I'm really excited for my next guest. You know, this is a guy who uh, who's who, like me, is a really hard worker. Now, I don't like the phrase when I'm on stage and somebody brings me up as a hard worker. I'm like, don't. Don't don't tell don't tell the people that they don't care they don't know how much I I go out or how much I write or how much I do they they don't need to know you know it's all for me it's all for your boy I know the statistics okay I know my metrics but that being said my next guest he does a lot you know he's always doing something which is admirable in a way you know. I I try to be more like him and try to do more myself every day, you know, and it's because I'm almost 30. I feel like I'm, I haven't done enough, you know, I, I, I hit 29 and I'm just like, well, I've wasted most of my life. You know, I can't keep doing this. So I got to get I got to be committed into what whatever I'm doing right now. And it's comedy. It's school. It's uh, finding a, a good job. You know, it's it's working out it's trying to be more healthy in a mental sense you know mental health is very important nowadays so i i feel like i feel like i'm going in a good direction and i feel like this guy is too he's skyrocketing you know and it's it's great it's great to see your hard work coming to fruition so uh, my next guest is one of the founders of the riot brian gendron and uh, this was a really fun episode. It's like, it's it's more catered toward the business side of comedy, but you also get to understand the an- an- analytical sense where he's coming from, and it's it's very interesting. I really like this podcast. Like going back and listening to it, and uh, well, let me know what you think, man. If if you if you like my episodes, if you like my hosting, if you like anything that I do, please message me or leave a uh, subscribe, follow, subscribe, like, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever you can do. Uh, I would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's start the show. I never know how to start these. <laughs> start talking. Yeah, you just start talking, man. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's good to see you again. Hey, Joe. It's been been a minute. It has been a minute, which is not the name of this podcast. You changed anymore. it. <laughs> we I talked about it. you changing it, but you actually did it. So we, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that actually. So you suggested also that I keep the name and wait until I get a cease and desist order. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which would be. I talked to many people. They're like, "Yeah, you should have done that, Joe. Like, just say fuck it." Yeah. That's- <laughs> I don't know. It was it was a weird weird thing. I was just, what do you think of the name? So is it chill, bro? Now is that the? It's unprofoundly chill. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. You know, I think that's pretty fitting. Like I've listened to a few episodes. I think I just you did one with Jamie Rowe, and I listened to some of that. And you are you are unprofoundly chill. That's your that's your radio voice style or your podcast style. <laughs> I have been told I have a great voice. It's crazy. I was concerned that we were going to be a mismatch because I'm sort of this high energy and you're just unprofoundly chilled. But that's why it works. There's yeah. a balance. A good balance. I think that's probably true. Yeah. Also, yeah. like I, I feel like I try to vibe with everybody that I'm with. Mm-hmm. So if like they're high energy, I'll try to be a little high energy myself. Or if they're like just sitting back, relaxing and stuff like that, I'll be like that too. Right. It just depends on how where it goes. Because like this is just a, this podcast is always different with every guest that I have. And it's never the same. Sometimes it's an interview. Sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes the other person's just talking the whole time, and I'm just going like, "Yep, mm-hmm, okay." This is—I never know where it goes. But it's—I 
remember you back in the day. How when did you start comedy? So just about three years ago, I started uh, April first, April Fool's Day, uh, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen in Rogers. Rogers is my first room. Uh-huh. Damn, that was my first room too. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, who do you remember anybody from that first night that you? Oh, went? absolutely. So actually, I watched the video from time to time. You recorded it. I did. Yeah. Wow. Of course. And Steve Cantwell was the host. Okay. And I was. I thought I had another comic in front of me, and Steve Cantwell called out the name, called out the name again, and nobody came forward. So my time came five minutes faster than I wanted it to. And I remember what Steve Steve goes. Uh, that's the sound silence. That's the sound of another comedy comedy career uh that never could have been or whatever he said <laughs> and then he <laughs> and the, whatever it was and then he go and then he goes and now another comic i've never heard of <laughs> brian gendron and i think he probably butchered my name and then i went up for two minutes and ate my own dick for two minutes and oh like, man what did i what did i do and then and then this is interesting i finally got a laugh and you want to know whose laugh it was greg deal greg deal gave me my first laugh in comedy and then I started getting some of the room. Like I started, I'm, the joke that I still tell about my, my dad visiting Montrose and being confused by gay culture. Like I still tell that joke to this day. And that was my one of my first jokes that got laughed. That was my really? first joke that got a laugh. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's one of my big openers. Yeah. <laughs> it's evolved. It's changed. I mean, there's some yeah. of the, like the, the basic, like the, 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 the foundation of it's the same, but it's, it's changed and evolved. I mean, uh, you have become a better writer and you've, taken in a different direction as well right yeah or you've made it you've added more tags more punchlines cut down the premises and stuff like that yeah one it it came together uh you know you're always kind of looking to tie things off with a bow and and the way you do that is you just continue to obsess over the bit you continue to tell it on stage and then you continue off stage to obsess over it where is this (sighs) bit going what is it about and that particular joke it wasn't this is it didn't exist this way in the beginning but it, it it got into Peloton strangely. Like it started about like visiting <laughs> visiting Houston. My you know my dad and this sort of generational misunderstanding of gay culture, and then it, it shifted into Peloton. And I remember I was on like a run one time, and I'm like, wait a minute, what if you know he talks about getting trapped gay, and then I get trapped in the pedals of the Peloton bike? Which if you ever spin, and that, that happens, like you get, your legs get stuck, and the first time you get on, you're like, how do I get out of this thing? So people relate to that. If anybody's ever tried spin, I don't know if you have, but people get stuck on that thing. So they're like, okay, um, that's how I connected this. This It's just the weirdest connection that just came to me on a run one time. Like, oh, that's where it should go, right? Yeah, it's, it just hits you all of a sudden. That's what it is. It does. Yeah. And then you're like, that's it. That's how it worked. That that joke will work because that's the end to that joke. So that was the inspiration. Yeah, Immediately, and, and it probably it. was like six months later after that. You know, It always happens like that. Right. I mean, everybody thinks like when we – tell the joke on stage and it works it's like oh that's it i'm gonna keep it no you add on to it you change it up you try to make it better the joke is never done that's what i'm realizing oh yeah all my jokes are like that like there was one where i was trying to make work which was the the one about my kid uh, teaching my kid pranks which is actually i'm gonna make some merch for this thing because i'm I'm about to do a a show with rich williams in new mexico and i'm it's kind of like a break-even thing so i need these like you got to make your money up on merch so that's what i'm gonna do but anyway, That's the smart. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, but the, the I had this idea that my kid, I taught my kid pranks, and I had this whole thing about pranks. But that's not where the the joke was necessarily. I mean, it, it was, but I, I didn't know where it was going. That was the starting point. Yeah, yeah. That that I yeah. taught my kid pranks, and that's funny that you would do that. And where it inevitably yeah. ended up was that my kid pantsed me in Chick Fil A, which is a funny idea. And then, <laughs> it, and then, the, then it goes a little further. I'm like, okay, well, now this is a prank war. And then I got him back. Okay. And then I started thinking, how am I going to get him back? Yeah. And that was a couple months. And then after, I was like, aha, I'm going to, I'm going to leave him in the car at Walmart. You know, like just, <laughs> you know, the, you know, the Houston hot box, leave him in the car at Walmart. Yeah. So the merchandise will be, don't teach your kids pranks. And it'll be the, the Chick-fil-A font with the cow that's writing it at the bottom. And then yeah. there'll be a silhouette of me holding the tr- full tray of food, which is, which is what happens. And my kid pantsing me. Oh, I'm going to have Drew Jordan probably take a picture of my kid pantsing me with my butt out. <laughs> and then we'll make that the merch. And, and I think it'll sell. I really do. I think with the Chick-fil-A colors and fonts. And, yeah. You know, as That's as, hilarious. As long as there's no patent attorneys in the audience, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I gotta, I mean, I, I, you know, uh, Rich was telling me that Matt, he did a gig with Matthew Broussard from, you know, a guy who came up in Houston. Uh-huh. And before he had this champion knockoff shirt i forget what it said but he's that's what he started before he displayed he goes is there any patent attorneys in the audience <laughs> no good and then he pulled out the 
Oh, it said participation with the championship logo, the champion logo. Yeah. Per- participation, I think is what it was. That doesn't matter, but that's how he sold his merch. Mm, you have merch? Funny. I don't have any merch. I, I don't, I don't think I'm there yet, honestly. Yeah. I, I like, I've been trying, uh, to do different things. I do have an idea for the Chilbro show to get merch for that. And I want t-shirts and stuff like that. That's where we went first. We did the riot. We do all the riot merch. So that's why I'm at that step where I'm trying to find a good t-shirt guy. Yeah. I don't know how good podcasting uh, podcast material is this. For, I don't know. This is just for us. This is an inside thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this has just become a business. I don't know. Merchandise, <laughs> merchandise, merchandise. People get it. You know? I don't want to bore people with it though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. But I do, I would like it to get like a good deal on a t-shirt guy. Cause I, I, I got some ideas. I got some ideas. I, the stuff I was getting, uh, I had great quality soft shirts and then whatever I went cheap or whatever I did. But like, uh, young blood was like, Ugh. like I gave him a shirt and he's like, I don't want this. And so he's, <laughs> he's going to connect me with this shirt guy. So I gotta, I gotta do that. Actually yesterday or on the, when I went out to LA, I was to the airport. I was wearing, I was ripping Rambo two funnies shirt and, oh, uh, and he's got some great shirts. I'm going to, ch- I'm going to check in with him too, but shout out Rambo. Hell yeah. yeah great comic. He's doing the festival with us. Uh, we, uh, the can't come and take it fest. He's on our lineup for our show. Oh, for this month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you are on Come and Take It. Well, your show Our is. show is. Yeah, yeah. So we book Rambo, Too Funny, uh, Corliss DeLauren, um, uh, Ariel Isaac Norman from Austin, and then our headliner is Sam Talent, who's our who's coming down for the uh, riot that weekend. Nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun show. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Like, that festival is going to be fun. Man, so you've done a lot of things nowadays. Like, you're the, you've, you've always been doing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You're getting the recognition now for been doing that. I think that's the biggest thing. You've always worked hard. Yeah. And you've always been on it. You've always been on either the business side or the creative side. You've just been on it. Thanks, man. Yeah. What's like, what was your motivation for the whole time? Or what is your motivation right now? Yeah, it's uh, it comes from a couple of different places, I guess. Um, but but deep down to my core, I just want to be fucking interesting, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. I just want to be, but not even just for others, for myself. I want to have an interesting life. I want to look back and be like, that. I did some worthwhile, interesting stuff. Um, so that's a big motivator for me. Uh, another big thing is to be able to be present with my kids and family. And what's cool about comedy is we're talking about nights and weekends, right? So that yeah. means that I can be there to coach or just be whatever my kids are into. I can be there and be present for that because uh, days are open. That's awesome, though. Yeah. That's awesome that you're still trying to be in your kids' lives while also doing something at night, you know? And, like, it's tough. I know I know it's very tough. And how do you, how do you ba- balance everything? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're still trying to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, I just my life is so like like I have a seven day a week schedule because I started doing the fitness stuff um, at the at Lifetime Fitness. I, t- I teach spin class there, and I'm You're about an instructor. To, yeah, I'm about to teach some other classes there too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Monday through Wednesday. I do that, but and and I'm actually about to take on some more maybe on Friday, and then Thursday through Sunday, sometimes Wednesday is comedy, and so that's a seven day a week deal. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but it just kind of, you know, if I break it down, like the mornings are usually times when I exercise or I'm, I'm working, doing the fitness gig. And then afternoons I'm working on the business, the comedy business, um, or parenting or whatever else comes up in the late afternoons mm-hmm. and family time, dinner, and then evenings are comedy. Um, <laughs> comedy <it's> just, baby. <laughs> yeah. But it's just divided up like that. I just kind of, and here's I mean, I just maximize my day. But and I also leave out distractions. Like I used to be like a big sports fan. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care about sports anymore. I abandoned my interest in sports. That's been really healthy. I stay out of the news for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really healthy. So I just I'm just really focused on the things that I'm in and I care about and not really much else. That's good though. Yeah, that's good. Also, like being a father. Being a husband, that's tough too, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's fun too. Like uh, you know, it's also you know now that I'm really happy with my career, like I'm really enjoying, really like loving the the, the career that I'm in in comedy. Just absolutely love it. It's uh, it's kind of transcended into other areas of my life, and I'm a better husband, better dad because of it. I think. So one of the, one of the few things that I've realized in my life, like when I first started comedy, I was very introverted. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to have a conversation. I was very passive aggressive. I had a lot of problems, but throughout mm-hmm. these past couple of years of doing stand up, I feel like I'm a better communicator now. 
Yeah. I feel like I understand myself more emotionally. Right. Uh, I understand people emotionally as well. I'm trying to be more emotionally intelligent. Yes. Uh, but I also feel like it's helped me in the business world, too. Absolutely. Uh, because in, in comedy, you have to be able to market yourself. Right. It's, it's a hard thing. A lot of comics focus more on the creative side than the business. Right. That's the biggest thing. How, how was that for you? How, did you? how were you able to change that or add to it? Yeah. I mean, there, I guess I always approach things from... I mean, I, I, my two passions are entrepreneurship and comedy. It's just in, in, in family. I don't know if you can say that's a passion, but it's, a, it's a, some, a value of mine. Yes. But those two things, uh, they, they're so connected, as you just put. You know, there, there's the creative side and then there's the business side. And they're, they're, they are absolutely connected. And, um, and so they're, they're just, they've, they're kind of one in the same for me. I'm passionate about both. I also like, for example, I teach entrepreneur classes as well. Like tomorrow I'm teaching a class at the university of Houston, um, small business development center. God damn, you do so much. So I teach on, <laughs> I actually teach on podcasting, which is kind of neat. Um, you're making me feel like a punk right now. Like I'm not doing enough. No, that's not what it's meant to be, but it is meant to just say that like, it's just, it's just, you know, these are all passion projects and you find ways to, um, to make them fit into your lifestyle uh, and make money at them. You know, I think another thing that we tend to do as comics is we devalue how much we're worth. And, I agree with you. And so, you know, it's it's your responsibility and no one else's to make sure you're getting paid what you're worth. And like on the way here, I was at a stoplight and I had a quick moment to uh, text, uh, not text, but respond to an email. You know, this this is a great opportunity from a comics perspective. They're like, hey, 400, 400 to 600 people every day for this jury duty event. Um, and, and you get to educate people in a funny way or you get to do a small set and we're educating people about the importance of jury duty. I'm like, okay, cool. What's the budget for your performers? Because they want you to work clean. They want you to do that stuff. You know, you got to ask for those things. Um, if you don't ask, you you won't get it. Um, I, you know, we'll see how she responds, but we were just, we tend to be like, whoa, 400 to 600 people, that exposure, like that's enough for me. Hell yeah! Don't forget that like, that's your time and your material that you work hundreds and hundreds of hours and obsessed over and all the stuff that we do as comics and open mics and everything we, we put in to get there. That's got value. That's why they reached out to me. And, and so you can't forget your value. That's a very good point. Like, I don't know who it was. It was an artist I heard a long time ago. Somebody went up and asked him, hey, can you draw a picture for me on this little piece of napkin? Right. And he did. And then he was like, OK, that'll be like five thousand dollars. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why are you, you just did this in like 30 seconds? Why are you charging so much? Oh, you're not paying for the price on this napkin. You're paying for the time it took me to learn the skills to do that in that short amount of time. That's right. And that's a good way to look at your value as a comic. That's a really good analogy. I think that's the biggest thing. I am more comfortable asking for more money than I used to now because I am confident in my skills and my way of writing and my material. I'm confident in myself now. Good. More confident. And you should be. Yeah. You worked I, hard. I, yeah. I mean, you got shows. to. <laughs> yeah. What am I doing this for? To stay like as an open micer for the rest of my life? Hell no. I need to do something. I'm, I'm, try- I'm serious about what I'm doing. You know, right. that's why I respect you so much, because I know you're serious in whatever you do right. in any aspect of your life. Right. And I'm trying to be more like that myself. Right. Because like from I grew up in the hood and for me, seeing the only people that made it out were the athletes or you did music or the army, armed forces and stuff like that. You know, the Marines. So to find out that I can go through another avenue, which is stand up comedy and just showcase myself and talk about my experiences throughout my life. That's an, a positive way to get out as well. The arts, you know, I didn't know that when I was younger, but I became 25. People just kept saying, Hey man, you should do stand up. You're funny. You should, you're funny. You're funny. So I finally did it. And I was like, damn, I can get good reactions from this. <laughs> and it's good for your confidence. Cause you, it's a, it's a thing where you can see yourself improve, especially in the beginning, very rapidly. If you keep doing it and you keep going up every night, and you listen, like I was saying a lot, I watched the tape from me three years ago, uh, you know, from, from then to where I am now, um, it's, it's, it's really rewarding to see how quickly you can grow in this. If you're, if you're serious about it. Yeah. I mean, it, they say, look, I'm going to say this right now. Sure. It takes 10 years. I agree with that, but it also depends on how much what takes work. 10 years. Let me ask you what takes being 10 years? good at stand up. Okay. I feel like being good at when you know, you're good at stand up, you found your voice and everything. They say it takes 10 years to develop your voice. I feel like 
it's faster. It can be faster nowadays. That's why. That's why I stopped you. Yeah, I, I feel like you can get there faster. It could take like five, six years. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends on you and how much effort you put in it, and everything that Look, you do. If you come in with a very high emotional intelligence and some some natural sort of skills of of you know maybe public speaking or connect or you're able to connect with people. I mean, who's to say what your timeline is, right? Exactly. Everybody grows differently. Right. So uh, it, ten is just like. Uh, like the 10, 10,000 hour rule, basically. That's just a rule that. Yeah, it's Malcolm Gladwell's Malcolm Gladwell. outliers. It, it, but it, it's, it's for the general. It's a general sense. Right. Individually, like you said, if you have talent, if you already come in emotionally intelligent, you're going to work your way up faster than a lot of other people. Right. I'm not like that, though. I My biggest talent is my, the amount of hard work I put in. Right. I can work harder than anybody you put in front of me, and I will. They work 100%, I'll do 200%. You know, I'll work way harder than them. And that's that's a skill in and of itself, but that takes a long time to learn, too. It does. We, we share that attribute in some ways. Uh, as long as I'm passionate, if, if I'm in into it, I'm into it. Exactly. And I'm going to work harder. I mean, I, I'm 24-7 on this comedy game. Yeah, I'm nonstop. Always working on it. Um, not, 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 unfortunately, not as much on the writing. And it's interesting. I've been talking to all these other producers. In fact, I had a call um, an hour ago with the Big Laugh, a uh, guy who runs Big Laugh, and Yesterday, I met with the guy who runs Don't Tell across the country, and and like those guys both dropped out of comedy and went full time producing. And I'm hearing that, and I'm like, should I do that? You know, I'm, I'm really questioning myself if I should get out of out of the performing game and really just focus on the business side. So we'll see where where I'm at with that intersection. Yeah, you see a crossroads right now. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's scary too. I mean, like, because yeah. I, I feel like you could be a great producer as well, right? So like it's there. I feel like the avenue is endless for you right now. Mm. Like you got so many things you can do. It's just you're trying to figure out what's the right thing or what what's the thing that will help you later on in the end. Yeah, the the, the struggle that I have is there's only so much creative bandwidth you can have, and business business you know these sort of entrepreneurial ideas that we have with the sh- I have with the show um, uh-huh. that takes up that takes away from the bandwidth I have to write new comedy re- bits and ideas just does um, there's only so much time in the day only so much creative bandwidth so doing both you know it could be it, it takes one takes away from the other unfortunately man I, I write I try to write at least two to three hours a day right now that's incredible <laughs> it's <Yeah>. hard <laughs> writing for me writing for me is probably different so I what I'll do in the morning I'll kind of make a decision with myself that I'm going to obsess over these couple ideas and then throughout the day, I'll kind of give myself some space, a couple minutes here and there to kind of check in and, and think about those ideas. And sometimes that ends with something. Sometimes it goes in a different direction. A lot of times it does nothing at all. But I do try to give myself that space a few times a day. That's writing for me. I feel like that's writing for a lot of people, too. And like you said, it took you six months and then you finally got the inspiration for that joke that you changed and made better. Right. So, but for me, uh, jokes come easy. I'll just write a joke here and there. Boom, 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 boom. I'm not attached to them emotionally as much because I can write as many. I, I could write a hundred jokes today. That's what's interesting. Like you, so the, you know, people don't, a lot of people forget of that. The majority of the jobs in comedy, there's probably more work paid, paid work in writing yeah. than there is in performing. Exactly. Um, so if you have those skills and you're practicing those skills and, and, and there, there's a, the, there's a lot of opportunity for you as well. So that's the biggest thing is like, I, I do that. I'm doing the podcast. Uh, I'm trying to, I run a show, a monthly show. I'm trying, I'm trying to get the same thing that you do in your life with, uh, instructing kids, being a husband, you know, doing the riot, running that. I'm doing the same thing in my life. I'm trying to find different avenues. I'm also trying to read more, trying to work out again. I'm trying to better myself. And the biggest, the, the one thing that I would say is like, don't put, so many high expectations on yourself. If you give yourself little goals every day and you achieve those, that'll give you more confidence to keep working on that. And then you can make the goals a little bit higher later on because you're like, Hey, I've already achieved all these goals. I'm pretty sure I can achieve this bigger one. Well, you said you've been reading more. Let me give you an incredible, I got all my books right here. (laughs) Incredible book recommendation. And I have it in my car so I can give it to you. Uh, it's called atomic habits. You ever heard of it by James clear? Never heard of it. Very actionable kind of not, not as much maybe on the goal setting 
necessarily, but more about, um, you know, just finding good habit, developing good habits, getting rid of bad habits and very actionable. Yes. So it's just divided into five parts. And it's one of those books where you read like a chapter, you put it down you're like, I'm going to implement that right now. And some of them will stick and some of them may not, but it's just, it's a actionable book called uh, Atomic Habits. That might, it sounds, it sounds like it might be in line with, with some of the things you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds great. I would love to read that. I've been I've been reading other types of books here and there. Uh, one of the biggest things for me is like trying to I'm almost 30 years old and I'm realizing that most of my life I haven't read. And it's not because I'm, I'm scared or if I don't want to. It's just like I didn't know what type of information I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I didn't focus on certain things. So like right now, I'm more focused on self-help, uh, comedy books, uh, read the comedy Bible, uh, how to think funny, stuff like that. Yeah, I read, read those. Yeah. And I'm trying to just immerse myself into whatever I do. Now, like you said, the interesting part, trying to be more interesting. You think you're a boring person, right? Uh, not anymore. I think I was. You think you were? Yeah. Okay. So when did that change happen for you? Uh, well, it was a slow process. I think the first thing that I tacked on was, was I, I was like, man, you know, I got to be a part of something bigger. And I joined a lacrosse team maybe look at me of course i joined a lacrosse team but uh probably like 10 maybe 11 12 years ago whatever it was mm-hmm. and that that started to give me some identity and and at least i was like hey i play lacrosse that's kind of interesting um and then from there you know that was kind of my thing for a while uh and then i started just tacking on other things you know um i started doing like toastmasters and public speaking uh, i started my own company uh did a bunch of charity work, won some awards. Those things are all kind of interesting things and rewarding yeah. things. Um, and then maybe the most interesting thing I would I would say that we share is comedy. I think that that is the most interesting thing. Um, I, I hang out with a lot of other, say, say at a kid's birthday party, any given weekend, I'm at them all the time. And I'll be with other parents. They'll be like, I'm an analyst in oil and gas. I'm like, that is fucking boring. <laughs> I want to produce and promote comedy shows. And you watch their eyes light up. <gasps> Wow, yeah, they, you promote comedy? Yeah, they don't even know that's a career. They would never would have thought that's a career thing. And so I, I enjoy those moments. I actually don't enjoy talking with other parents. I'm kind of introverted, like like you were talking about. See, as well. I hate telling people I'm a comic. Yeah, you don't like it. I don't like it. I, I, I it, they're because of that change. Because it was like, oh my god, you're funny. You too. don't enjoy that change. I don't enjoy the change. I like surprise. So I like talking to somebody and just being my funny, normal, natural self, Uh making them laugh. And then once they if they're at a show one day and they see me on stage, they're like, hey, there's that dude. Wow. He's already he's funny, but now he's hilarious. That makes you better Uh in their eyes. That that grows like uh, the love, the approval right then and there. I was like, he was already a funny dude. But goddamn, look what he's doing now. Sure. I like that feeling. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I agree. Where, wherever, wherever you get that endorphin hit, but I think, <clears throat> I do think you should be promoting at all times, especially if you're a producer, promoter, and you're running your show. So at least you can, you can get a get get the opportunity to say. Come. That's where I'm. I'm like, I, I, I should be doing that. You're totally right. I just, I don't know don't what like it, it is. You don't I don't, like it feels icky. Yeah, I, I just feel fair. like I'm forcing it on people. But here's know? the thing. But that's that's why, like, <clears throat> it comes natural and organic. When, whenever you say I'm a comedian, then they got they have questions for you, and you're just answering their questions which is leading them to potentially come to see your show now half of never they never fucking come but (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna (laughs) very rarely do they actually come sometimes sometimes but very rarely that's the thing i would rather just have a normal conversation with somebody and like i said if eventually they'll see me one day then but the likelihood of that is way way lower than if you if you kind of proactively invite them exactly i I agree with you on that i agree with you i mean the how do you feel about your ability now uh, in terms of marketing? Well, uh, so I went to school for marketing a long time ago, uh, and the concepts of mar- they haven't changed. The, there's there's um, impressions and reach, and that's all that stuff. But the but the the way you can do it has changed in, in, in a really good way. Uh-huh. That that we can get real time data through you know mostly through social media, Meta, which is Facebook, Instagram, Google, Yelp, whatever tools next door. We use all the tools, right? Um, and so just becoming proficient in, in using those tools, developing a marketing mix that works, um, has been, uh, and, and then maybe the most important thing is, is the concept of remarketing, which is to say, once people have come to our shows and they've had a good experience, um, we need to continue to market to those people the most. And we, mm-hmm. we noticed that, that, that attributes to, to, this is like the, the, it's a, it's the word of mouth phenomenon, 
where um, I work the door. I actually enjoy working the door to interact with people. Hey, how'd you hear about this for show? Welcome first timers. And we get this mix of one person with three of their friends or five of their friends or whatever, however many of their friends who's been to the show and they brought four or five friends that have not time. I mean, week show after show weekend after weekend. That's what we're seeing. Um, and so just becoming, just understanding that and, and, and really, um, leaning into that and investing in that, in those areas has really changed how I look at marketing. I always thought like marketing was like, go out and get net new people, go out and get net new. And that's, that's, you do that too, but that's like, that's the most expensive way to do it. Mm -hmm. Remarketing. That's the cheap stuff. Remarketing. And it's the most effective. Yeah. Mm, That's good to know. Yeah. Good product. Number one. Good. That's, that's the biggest thing. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why I. Like I said before, I just started believing in myself. That's why I, I'm starting to market myself now because now I feel like I have a good product. Right. Before I didn't, and I knew that. And I was like, I asked myself, I was like, how much would I add two years ago? How much would I pay for a comedy show that I'm in right now? And I had to be real with myself. And I was like, I wouldn't pay anything. That's a great evaluation. Yeah. Now I am comfortable with like five, ten dollars for you to come to my show and pay for the, for the ticket. You know? Perfect. You have to be comfortable in your own skin with that. I remember when we first started the riot, you know, we would go downstairs and we'd bark because we didn't, nobody knew us. Nobody. And, and, uh-huh. and we felt bad asking for 10 bucks a ticket. You know, we, we felt weird about it because our show wasn't there. We weren't, it wasn't, didn't have $10 value. You know, it just didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but now very look them right in the eyes, very confidently yes. hit them with like, yeah, it's for the two of you. It's 50 bucks. You know? How did the riot start? Cause I remember you used to do it with Harris. <clears throat> I did. Yeah. It started with Harris. So, yeah. uh, Harris, Harris came to me and he said, look, uh, the Rudyards is looking to do more comedy. And I said, cool. Um, he's like, you know, I'm like, I want me to reach, I'll reach out to the guy if you want. And so he, uh, he's like, here's the guy's name. He didn't know he didn't have a relationship with him or anything. I, so I, I went out and reached out to this guy uh-huh. and I said, Hey man, I produced, I produced this high for hope show. You know, I've got a little bit of experience in producing love to do a, a couple a show a couple times a month. He said, cool. Uh, we started it like right. Well, we actually, we kicked it off right before the pandemic. Our first show was supposed to be March 16th, uh, 2020. We thought that thing was going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I up until the day of, we thought it was going to happen. How did you feel at that moment? Like, you were like, yeah, this is going to start. We're going to do good things. Oh, yeah. no, we're closed. Well, just like a lot of my, hey, you know, I talked about, you know what I'm saying? I talked to the guy from Don't Tell, the guy from Big Laughs. Those guys all started as comics. When you start a show like this, and maybe you do it for the same reason, I'm sure you do, it's currency, right? You 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 have this thing where you can book people, and then that helps you get booked on other shows. Social currency. Yeah, and that's what yes. we started it for. That, you know, to be fully honest, and that's why you start, why you start these things in comedy, why you start to produce shows. And you, just, you hit a big thing. Well, like when you're starting out and you're a comic, you're trying to get on more shows. How do you do it? By having your own show. So that way you can offer something. Yeah. And it's like a trade, but we're bar. It's a barter system. That's right. It's a barter system, basically. And like that helps out for a while. But like once you do every show and they don't ask you back, then you have to ask yourself, like, why? Yeah, that's fair. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And like I the thing that I realize is, oh, it's because your product isn't good enough yet. So you can get yourself there. The comics, not open micers now. If you've been doing it a year, if you put on your own show, they'll start booking you on other shows. But once they see you not doing well, they're not going to ask you to go on again. Right. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And when I talk about product, it's you, you, you take it very specifically as, as your comedy, my material, uh, my stage presence, material stage presence. Correct. And I would say that that's one element of, of, show production right the quality of the comedian um and in myself included in that as a host and, mm-hmm. and i sucked as a host in the beginning and now we've gotten pretty proficient really pretty good at hosting but you just getting reps but but when i talk about the product i'm talking about the whole experience so you know how do you, there's a miley my, the quote that i kind of tell all my people um you know people people will will forget what you tell them to do or say they'll never forget with how you made them feel and like, yeah, and that, that's not exactly, that's not spot on. That's whatever, but it's close enough. Paraphrasing. Yeah. 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 That's roughly what it is. And so, uh, you heard the quote here, people. Yeah. That's a Brian Gendron <laughs> quote. That's not my Angelo. I, I butchered it, but <laughs> so that's, that's from Brian Gendron. And, uh, but no, I, I think about that, like the experience that the, that the audience has. So put yourself in the, in the shoes of the audience coming to your show to, to Chilbra or whatever it is you're putting on. Yeah. You know, what is that experience like when they come to the door to to, to, can, to scan their tickets or pay so for those tickets? Yeah, that's the other way of thinking, too. And mm-hmm. I've been realizing that more lately. Like, you have to think about the experience that you're giving the person, the per- person paying the ticket. And that's it. And is this show 
how it's packaged worth the five ten dollars. That's exactly right. So the comedy is a, is it, we we've uh, we as a as a as a uh, community have put too much emphasis on the the lineup in the comedy, where that's only a small portion of the experience. We think that's everything. We, we, that, that seems when I came on board, that's what it felt like. Producers had this idea that like the lineup and the and the comedian is everything. It's it's less than half of it, and it really is. I think you you can make you can get away with with less than average comedy. We do get away with it we, we, all the time, all, all the, the time. time. Well, yes. yeah, yeah. But all like for time. example, one of our best selling shows it damn near sells out late Thursday night, nine thirty. Uh, unusual suspects. We sell it as these are new comics doing their hot fives with some special guests. Yeah, and those are sometimes dog shit. We just had one, <laughs> we just had one, and sometimes more than they're good they're dog shit and so the, the okay so i i understand what you're doing and that's sometimes it's a necessary evil to put up newer people to give them a chance yeah so you can see what so they can see like how it is you right. know it's like a starter show yeah and we get away with, well but to kind of finish the thought though like mm-hmm. because we get everything else right between like the customer service getting people to their seats and having the good food and the good drink and the cbd and the frozens and the whatever else that we have at the bar but that rudyard's does so well rudyard's is awesome you know what i mean and, yeah. then, and then and then uh having the production kick off with the you know the lights going down the god mic the welcome to the red that it's this consistent the product. experience the whole experience is yes. good well, now the comedy doesn't have to be a hundred every time. In fact, like I said, we can get away in, in setting the right expectation, you know, going out and be like, Hey, look, these are new comics and more than half of them are going to suck. And this is their kind of their to see if they're a good fit for this room right now. And if they're not, you know, see them again in a couple months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you get that expectation, right, you get the environment, right. Product doesn't, the, the, the stage product doesn't have to be uh, perfect. Never thought of it that way. Yeah, so it helps. It takes the it takes a little bit of the onus off of you as the as the comedian. Be like, man, let's just focus on a few other like these other areas, and then and then now I can have more room to try out new material, not have to worry about that kind of stuff on a paid show. Because I don't get to do mics anymore. I have to do new material on my paid shows. Yeah, because like a say a show like Avant that puts a lot of pressure on the comedian. That's a high pressure situation because they're not there for the experience. They're there for the comedy. So you gotta deliver mm-hmm. you have to deliver in a place like that and i i have been at the right which i love doing the shows mm-hmm. and you're right it is a different experience you do a lot more the god mike the music uh the whole experience it's so fun it's always fun going to your shows yeah and the relationships too is another thing like you know we have people that come back every weekend for real and 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 god bless them I have to listen to my same jokes over and over again you know i try to as quickly as i can i try to come up with new material for them we also been doing really well with crowd work up top. You know, we got the first four tables. It's kind of a stacked deck because they're always two tops. So they're almost always dates. So it's real easy to get into like relationship material with those people in the front. But developing relationships with those uh, people that keep coming back mm-hmm. um, and, and getting to know them by their name. All that stuff is really important. Getting repeat customers. Yeah. That's that's but not even just I mean, you say customers, uh, you know, guests, right? You know, even thinking about it. That's that's a smart way to work. But it's an important. It's a very, very important distinction. And it it sounds like I'm a big fucking hotel chain. But like, (laughs) but listen, like, like we have what I was talking about earlier, where we think the, the comics and the lineup is everything. We're missing the idea that this is entertainment and this is hospitality. Customer service. Those are the things. Hospitality and entertainment. And, and it just happens to be that our entertainment We're is We're going to give you a good time. Yeah. That's, You're going to have a great time when you come here. That's the thing. And we forget that shit as a as, uh, community. We do. We do. We, we, but we're not taught that. That's well, the thing. A lot of us think we think it's for us. That's a, a it lot is of very com- selfish. A lot of comics think it's for them. It's very selfish. Yeah. And but you hit the nail on the head because like, I've been thinking about that now. Uh, marketing my show, trying to pre- create a good product, a good show. And like, what other things I can do differently? Like now that you got me thinking, and like I can add some other stuff. But like, yeah. yeah. Also, being a good host is very valuable too. Oh yeah, being good at, at hosting is very yeah. good. We've lost our way there too. <clears throat> I think as a community, we we feel like, hey, let's put the rookie up to host, the least experienced. It's the host spot. You know, there's this old format. That's how it is in Houston. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where there's this old format, even out in the world out in anywhere it's well just, in canada they don't do that they the headliner hosts yeah see and that's a that that 
not bad. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. seriously, I mean, I know our format's a little different, but like the traditional model, you know, anywhere is like, you know, host feature headliner, right? The traditional comedy show. Yeah. Of course, the, the, what the, what they did at the store changed that where you have showcases, right? And, and that's probably more so what we see in Houston is the showcase format. <clears throat> but, um, then you have the host and the host is like the newest of the, of the pack. And like, ugh, I don't know that that's the right format. Like you got to start the show on the right foot. I'll tell you one of the worst things as a host is when they don't like you and you got to keep dragging your ass back oh. out there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so you got to be likable up top. Otherwise this is going to be a long night as a host. And that's a good point. And then the, the host will fuck up all the, the energy, you know, well, the energy, yeah. especially that's number one, but then all the other logistical things, the, the announcements, the, the expectations of the show, uh, you know, closing the show out properly to make sure that they, okay. they all those things get missed. You are making a good point, and I don't feel the problem is with the comic per se. I feel like it's with the community and the way we treat the culture, the culture, well, the way we treat hosting. It's right. like we're not teaching one another exactly how to do it. Right. It's just like you throw them up. It's like, hey, you figure it out. The best thing, and I was actually talking with 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 him today. Maybe not for the best circumstances, but we were talking. Uh, uh, Barry Lamanek used to run a, a, a the improv. He had yeah. a workshop, a work, hosting workshop. His hosting workshop was the best. It was amazing. It taught me a lot. And you know, there stupid was some shit things. like move the mic stand. You know, yeah, stuff obvious. That's, yeah. I think that's obvious. But 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 no no no. But not even that. But here's more specific. Move the mic stand after you're done the announcement. Ah uh, yeah. So now they know that you're in material. Yeah. Now it's like comedy mode. So not just yeah. move the mic stand because you look like a dummy, but you move it strategically. So like little tiny tips like that as a host was really helpful for me. See, the thing is like nowadays I don't even move the mic stand. I just talk into it. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it's, it's whatever you want to do, but yeah. like, that's a very good distinction right there. Moving mm-hmm. the mic stand after the announcements. Right. Uh, also like another thing is like, uh, being on time, being on time is very important <laughs> and ending on time and not, not on running time, yes. the light, bro. Yes. That's a, that's a thing for me, but I'll, we'll get into that maybe after, but being on time for sure. Yeah. Starting the show on time. That's the biggest thing too, Fuck, man. I want to, so unfortunately, culturally we have a, we are now known to be starting 15 minutes late and some of the regulars kind of know that. And you know, in some ways it's okay because like, it's just, we have a two hour experience that we're selling. So when you come to the room, there's music going, you know, we, we get you to your seats. You have time to go to the bartender. You have time to socialize before the show kicks off. That's, that's a good thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be nice to be able to start when we say we're going to start. Yeah. So I think culturally too, we need to shift because we're about to do three shows on Saturday, which is a rapid flip. That's a seven, nine, eleven. You got a flip between those shows. You got to run a tight clock on the show. Yeah, we're stuck. That's going to be a little bit more harder to execute. And we're getting another person, so that'll help with personnel. And Rudyard's helps us with flip and all that stuff. But all that to say, um, you have to be timely to to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Very precise. Mm-hmm. That's. Man, that's awesome, dude. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that, that's, a, that's, that's a grind. We did it one time with the three shows. It was a grind, but uh, it's just going to be our new norm. Yeah. What uh, headliners that have been on your shows recently do you remember the most, like the, the experience? Oh, dude. Um, we just rebooked. I uh, just signed him yesterday. I think he signed the contract. Cypher Sounds. Uh, he's a DJ out of New York, comedian. He hosted the cellar all the time, and uh, his show was one of that stood out for me. Uh, I guess it was twenty. Was it last year? Yeah, I think last year he came. Yeah, one of the shows that really stood out. He did it. He basically did his DJ thing up top, did his host thing, kind of like the ca- Canadian style, uh, our headliner host, uh-huh. and then he brought up local comics. It was like Ralph Barbosa and Jeff Joe and me and maybe Corliss or I, th- I think it was Corliss. Maybe it wasn't, but either way, and and he he would just kind of interact with the comics after their sets, and then packed room. Everybody had a great time, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. I think he might bring Will Slyvance, who's one of his 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 buddies up there in the cellar. Mm-hmm. The two of them will come down and host four shows. So that that's an exciting one that we're bringing back. Um, we just had Joe Mackey, who's incredible, came back for the second time, crushed three did he three or no, we did three shows with Joe, um, sold out all of them. Fuck, did we do four? Well, it doesn't matter, but but Joe was great. I don't know. Lose my head. Um, uh, we just had Ahmed Weinberg, so damn funny, out of L.A. He came back. A lot of these comics are coming back. Oh, Mike Fecchione. I love Mike. Incredible. Um, ran his, his hour. He just recorded at the Nashville Comedy Festival. Um, gave, he gave us a shout-out on the Bonfire, the podcast uh, with Dan Soder and uh, Big J Okerson. He's like, right up top. He's like, just ran it in the riot. 
He's a good good room run by some new newer guys. And it's interesting to hear that. Like yeah. we're newer guys, you know, but we are. That's that's true. Mike's been in the game for 20 years. Definitely new. Mm-hmm. We are new. We're three years in. That's new in comedy years for sure. Yeah. But uh, Mike was great. Um, goddamn, Caitlin Palufo was incredible. Uh, we'll have her back. We've got Gianmarco Cerezi. I wasn't in the room, but I heard he murdered. He's coming this weekend. Four, oh, sh- great. four shows are almost, they're all selling great. So, yeah. Uh, man, I mean, yeah, we just, we're booked through January of next year. I've got a couple dates in December that I'm kind of holding on to because I think we book a lot of corporates. So I want to try to make sure I get some good, like, People that can work clean corporate stuff as well. So I'm a little bit more picky on those. Mm-hmm. But I already, I got a couple of people I already booked in January. So we're for headliners. We're into 2023. Thank you. That's awesome, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah, that's awesome. A lot of people coming back too. Tom Takar is coming back. Um, who else is coming up? That's coming back. Um, uh, I already said Saifa. Uh, Graham K. Yeah, so that's the, maybe the best sign that we have not just people that come for one time, people that come and then want to sign again and come back. Yeah, but you also met these people on your podcast, which you started doing. Some of them, right? yeah, it's it's flipped though. Uh, Caleb Sinan's coming back. I saw him. I, I did him and I did a show two nights ago in, in L.A. Um, but no, it's flipped. We used to do pod. We used to get guests and then we get the guests to do the show. Yeah. Now we get people to do the show and then we get them to do the podcast. And then ah, yeah. that's awesome. So we should be doing podcasts. Uh, we should have some breaking down bits as the show, of course. And uh, we got we just you finished. do it with uh, Drew Jordan. Drew Jordan. We just yeah. finished season five. About to do season six. We're fifty episodes in. I mean, how many episodes a season? Mm-hmm. Ten. Ten episodes a season. Yeah. Okay. Which we kind of lost our way a little bit on that when it was the pandemic, and we were able to kind of crank them out once a week. That was a really good consistent model. It's changed, and and uh, but I think we're going back to the more consistency because Drew quit his job. So that that was really oh yeah he's a full time content creator yeah full time content shout creator. outs to him man hell it's yeah crazy. so which is great news for he me did one, he did a video with Stevo <clears throat> I remember that he was yeah. Talking, yeah. not too long ago he was in Florida working with Stevo he did some stuff with Sarah Tolomas Joe List so he's got a lot of cool things and Good projects for going him, on yeah. um, of course helping us out with the riot and everything he does with us but um, uh, so yeah now that he's quit his job we should be able to be more consistent with interviews and so we should have some episodes coming up with Brian Scalero. Uh, Kate, Kim Congdon, uh, Laura Beats, uh, yeah, B- J. Bigori, as long as they do it. And usually they'll say yes. That's well, awesome. That's know. awesome that yeah. you can, you have that avenue to be able to talk to these other peers from other places. It's inspiring, dude. It's, like, uh, it's great. We, we talked about writing and, and, and finding the time to write and how we write. And like every time I do one of these interviews, I'm always just fired up to like come up with new content. So it really helps me personally. And it helps people like we hear people all the time from different markets and people. Oh, shit. You're the breaking down bits guy. Like so people are listening. A couple of hundred, you know, it's not like a lot, but it's very niche, you know, it's for comics. And more do you feel the, like some people that come to your shows know the podcast as well? Yeah, dude, that's the other thing. So that I mean, that's what I was talking to people about last night in LA. Like, we're creating comedy fans, like real comedy fans, like they're being becoming more uh, comedy savvy mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people who listen to the podcast and come to the show, and they even do it in order where they listen because, like, we usually get the guests like that week of, mm-hmm. so they'll listen to, you know, the podcast interview with Mike Vecchione and then come watch Mike Vecchione. And that's kind of a neat, people want those behind BTS behind the scenes experiences. So we're able to provide that through that platform. I think that's, that's basically what I'm trying to do too. I'm showing a different side of myself. Cause on stage, I'm not like this right. on stage. I already know what I'm going to say. And I have this material that I'm trying to do and stuff like that. And trying to give this experience here. I like this podcast because I actually get to know the person a little bit more. It's more personal. Uh, I love the free flow aspect because I'm lazy as hell. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to think of something to write. So, so uh, how uh, how'd you get started in comedy? Like, we'll get to it. We'll get it's. I will come whenever I get there. Right. We'll, we d- you come when I come. Okay. Oh, let's come together, baby. We'll come yeah. together. That's that's what I like yeah. coming together, people. That's right. I think we should do that more now. You know. I uh, our we with our show we we we're a little bit unfortunately a little more rigid so we have that's fine I I say rigid it's still free free flowing and fun because we're all comics and some of these comics are real funny but like you know on the show but um, have you had comics who are hilarious on stage but not on the podcast yeah yeah for sure and I'm that way I'm not a funny guy I'm not it's all I can only be funny on stage very rarely to come up with anything that funny (laughs) (laughs) which is funny. but yeah. yeah, I'm not a funny guy. I'm not, you know, naturally. I sometimes I have funny ideas, and I, I have the luxury of having 
you know, they, I now know the form well enough where I can bring it on stage and share those ideas. Who were your comedy influences? Oh, this is uh well, the initial one was Louis CK. Okay. And then let me take this as a blanket. Um, the, uh, last comic standing, all the comics on last comic standing, because what, how, did I say Louis CK first? You said first. Yes. Okay. No, I screwed that up. First was, uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. Right. And, uh-huh. and you see Eddie Murphy and you're like, it's only rock stars that can do this. They have to wear these tight leather outfits and like you drive these huge arenas. That's what you thought comedy was. Cause that's what you saw. And you mm-hmm. me- memorized all of his bits and I could, do the, rock, yeah, yeah. I could do everything, you know, ice cream, man, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And I mean, my buddies would all watch it. And then, you know, a couple fast forward a couple of years and that last comic standing came out and you're like, Oh shit, anybody can do this. That's interesting. You know, like these are all just, people not, not that they were anybody you know, they were open micers and people that were working on comedy but you're just like oh it can just be anybody off the street that's how this gets started <laughs> you know? did you really think that yeah. they, they just brought these people off the street i mean did you watch the show i don't yes like, I watched some it. of these people yes. yeah they were off the street you know nah. it's like kill tony before kill tony for some of them like just people that had no no experience that's interesting yeah. that's interesting to say but i feel like they've good vetted for tv they vetted some of these people for sure well i think they vetted them for tv like if like some oh, bombing, okay, is, okay, bombing okay. is fun too the bad ones yes yeah, i'm the, saying they, got they, the cura- bad they curated the, okay, the bad okay. ones i thought you meant the people that were good they just got them off the street and, no, they, and they this. used to like cut it it's just for it's like anything dude like the producers would cut yeah. it so that like it, they would just show like a bunch of really bad clips of people yes i agree with you, you. know what i mean yeah. so to make it more dramatic or yeah. funny or yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah, and interesting. So yeah. anyway, so that, that and then I discovered Louis C.K. and just like this this brilliant comedy mind. Uh that the, the you know, I didn't even have kids at the time, but he had you were just you were just you were with him on his raising his daughters and and then he would also go into the dark areas of cum and all the other shit that he would do, you know. He wasn't always like that before though. No, before no, he, he was a cheese, cleaner. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah cheesy, cheesy, he yeah. recorded at the la- at the last stop, is the live in Houston. That's a that album's I didn't like it at all. Had like that's not true. I had a couple of like good bits, but like overall. But even he saw it himself. He was just like, "Yeah, I'm this like run of the mill comic. Nothing's interesting about me." And he it took him a while, but then he changed everything. Yep. And then once he started getting big, talking about his daughters, talking about coming, all that. That's when he yeah. started popping off. I can't remember if it's chewed up or the other one, but I think it's chewed up. It was the first one that he really can made made connections. I think. Yeah. Uh, just a brilliant bit up top about the N word, like the, the smartest, you know, just yeah. And, and maybe it was blowjob. One of them. One of them starts with blowjob. The other one starts with. You know, the he's N-word. Mexican. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I do know that. Yeah, I know everything about Louis. I was a huge. I mean, still. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan too. Uh, uh, well, Carlin was the first ever comic I would was introduced to so i know a lot about carlin i wrote or listened to his biography and love the dude but yeah like i I get like that too when i find somebody that like i gotta know about them yeah yeah that's how i am with music too i i I love like the behind the scenes stories i'm watching like like the 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 come up yeah that's really important yeah it Uh, is it's very important i guess kanye has a new documentary out i heard it's really good i want to watch yes yes it's so good it's so look 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 I loved Kanye before, mm-hmm. but now I, I I see why people we get, came to idolize him for who he is and what he went through and all the struggles and once he made. I don't want to spoil it for you, but you should. Yeah. I'm excited. Watch it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that. I'm, uh, I think the last episode of Winning Time just came out, if I'm not mistaken, on HBO. It's about the the, the L.A. Lakers coming up with Magic Johnson and those guys. And, and yes, so, I heard about that. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, I I, I don't. I don't. You, I think you're probably on this. You like superhero movies? I do. I can't do them. So I, I can't do anything that's out there. It has to have happened. Why? I just can't, dude. It's not. It's not interesting to me. This. I don't connect with it. I connect with things that happened, and I especially connect with things on the come up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because I think that's just where I'm at. I think I'm on the come up. You're more and realistic. Yeah, yeah. It's it, yeah. it's grounded in reality, and like I I feel like I'm on the come up. So it's inspirational, in a lot of ways, and just interesting to me. I love, I love superhero movies. I, just, I can't do it, dude. Every well, I've been watching superhero like comic books and stuff like that when I was a kid and TV shows. So it's just entwined with me. I like. Do you like The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. I saw The Simpsons were on when I, I, <laughs> I like uh, you know season one through eight or well, three through eight or whatever you know. However, so I think it's after season nine that's when the creator left, Matt Groening, and then that's where the writing like went downhill. Oh. That was the biggest thing for me, cause like and after that, then he started making. He made Futurama. Yeah, and Futurama's great. I love Futurama. Yeah, you know, I never really got into Futurama. I've watched a few episodes here and there, and it's great. King of the Hill is another one. Those are those are all. They were always around, but I didn't really like plug in like I did with The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons, I was all in. Like 
uh, did you know Conan was the yeah. writer for it? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, writers were into Harvard. Yeah. Which is and it was a really smart show, which was James L. Brooks yeah. is is the man. James, James L. Brooks. L. Brooks is an iconic writer, just this brilliant comedy mind. And uh and he was he's really the I mean I think he honestly I'm pretty sure he's still is he still on the writing team for The Simpsons? I think he might be. That's a good question. Um That'd be crazy. But there's something something fell off. Um I didn't know that Matt Groening had Maybe he, I don't know if he all out left or he just kind of. No, he left. He, he, okay. he was done with the show. So maybe perhaps That's that, why he made Futurama because that was his next thing. And then that popped off. That could have been it. You know, there's only so many, like you have all these characters and there's only so many things you can do in this one town. Yeah. And, and it, it was created off of his life too. Yeah. And it was like his experiences when he was younger and stuff like that. Like I think he said that and then, he sees himself in Bart a lot. Yeah, that's probably so. That makes sense. But like and then and then you know we tragically lose Phil Hartman and you lose like three of the best characters, you know, like uh Phil Lionel, Lionel Hutz and so many characters. It was uh who is it? So it was Lionel Hutz was the attorney. The attorney, yeah. Uh who else was uh god damn, how am I drawing a blank on on the rest of these characters? <sighs> Troy McClure Troy McClure, the actor. Yes, the actor. And then there's probably one more. But there's, there's a whole Lionel bunch. Hutz and Troy McClure well, are the two. Th- those couple characters, there's a lot that he does that people don't understand. He sometimes he did some background characters. Yeah, too. yeah. So it's, it's a lot of But those are the yeah. two main ones, yes. and they were just such great characters. But, the, yeah, I mean, there's only so much he can do in that in that creative world that they they made. Did you like the movie? Yeah, for, the, for what it was. Yeah, your voice got high. For so what it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, no, no. I liked it, yes. Did I love it? No. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, I'll say that. I mean, but like, it got to the point where they, once they made the movie, I was already almost at the door with. The yeah, Simpsons. same. Yeah, I was already checked out. I was yeah. already checked out. I was like, once they made the movie, I'm like, all right, this is it. They're they run out. Of but it's ideas. a good call out because a lot of my humor comes from The Simpsons. Mine too. You know, like I'm very analytical. I I like history. Uh, it surprise is a big thing for me, like misdirections and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, The Simpsons had so many jokes in each minute of the show. Right. It's so crazy. And that's how I like my comedy, to have be packed with a lot of jokes, a lot of laughs per minute. Right. That's the biggest thing. Because uh, I feel like Houston really forces that in you, too. Yeah. Houston is a big joke city. Right. You know? From all the comics that we've seen that developed now, uh, coming out of Houston, like uh, Josh Stokes, Victor Tran, Grady Pruitt, you know, they have a lot of last per minute. They're very quick, very fast, and they have a lot packed into it. That's right. You know, uh, you, we, we do these showcases. Uh, this is an interesting, interesting dis- distinction I discovered because I started doing a little headlining stuff, and this is a different world. So with showcases, what's interesting is, like, your your setups have to be punchy, too. Yes. Like, you got to punch the whole thing. Everything's got to be funny. But with headlining, it's different. With headlining, uh, what I discovered is you want to have your setups understood. It's more important that they're understood and you get everybody on board first so that the 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 thing the 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 jokes hit harder once you yeah, get into the material. It's like when it climaxes, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom, yeah, yeah. So, so Cause, you, well, here's the biggest thing. Uh, this is the one problem with being a one-liner comic because once you get that expectation, you got to keep that the whole yeah, time. Yeah, good luck with that. And it's hard. And then you also got to be careful um, when you're arranging your set. You got to be careful with um, types of jokes. So you talked about misdirects. Like you mm-hmm. can't just you can't have the same trick each time because then it becomes predictable. You can't have misdirect, misdirect, misdirect. Exactly. Misdirect. You got to throw in like a rule of three. You got to throw in a one liner here and there. That's you where the writing throw, comes in. Yeah. Callbacks. Everything. Yeah. Callbacks. The whole thing. That's what yeah. a lot of people don't realize because like everybody, when you start out, you become a one trick pony. Right. You you become a master of that one thing. Yeah, but and then you emulate your your heroes too. Like you know you'll, you'll exactly. But once you realize that you've mastered it, then you're gonna be like, okay, well now let me try this other aspect. Because I was a one liner comic, then I went, I started doing stories, then I started doing bits. Uh, now I'm trying to do like adding callbacks and stuff like that. I'm trying to change the writing in every way because it's become predictable to me. Right. And if it's predictable to me, then it's not fun anymore because I know where the fuck it's going. So, I'm sorry for cussing. Damn it. <laughs> oh, am I not supposed to cuss? I was cussing. Oh, we could cuss. Okay. Screw it. Fuck it, you know. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I don't know if I want to be clean or dirty. I don't know. But once I get bored of it, then I stop doing it because I don't love it anymore. Nowadays, to to for the comedy to be fun for me, I change it into a conversational style. Now, it may seem like I'm talking to you. We're having a regular conversation. But really, I've written everything down, and I know where it's going to go. And I'm trying to choose the moment where I want you to laugh. Boom, boom, boom. I don't want it to be like high, 
I could do it for like a minute or two, keep it up at a high level. But then I wanted to come down because I know people get tired of laughing the whole time. So I want to, you know, give you an experience as well. Right. That's why the, where the writing comes in, making your premises like more smarter, but easier to understand. Yeah. Connective to relatable. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah. And also, you know, uh, Andy said this on our podcast, Andy Huggins is really smart is that people connect uh, best on the motion. Right. So, yes, or even like that. Judy Carter in her book, you know, what is it? Weird, stupid, blah, blah, blah. You know, those are the things that sort of human experience. Yeah. The comedy on. Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, your premises should, should have that connective element, that relatable element. Um, but, but in a shorter set, the, even i I find that those even have to be funny because you got to keep it hot. Do you have, yeah. But in a longer set, you get room to breathe and you, you can relax a little bit. You can take your time. You can. It's more important you, know. you do that than it is to get the laughs in the setup. Exactly. That's what I found. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done 30 minutes and that, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. That's the longest set I've done is 33 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I kept the momentum the whole time. They were laughing the whole time. Really? The whole time? Because usually you get the a dip time. somewhere in oh, there. I ran out of material like 20, 25 minutes in. But okay. then I, uh, Jeff was, it was at Axelrad. Yeah. And Jeff just told me to go up. He told me I was going to do like 20 minutes or whatever. Then I, after 20 minutes, I kept waiting for the light, but it never came. Yeah. So I just started telling stories about my life and the things that happened to me and stuff like that. And it just kept going with it. And then finally, 32 minutes in, I get the light, get a big laugh at the end, get off. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was wild. That's and a I good just, room. You still work over there, Axelrad? I don't do it right now. No, I'm not doing it right now. Okay. I'm trying to save up money to get a car. Okay. Because that's always been the biggest thing. It's like once I get the car, then get back out there again. I love that. I love working in that room. That's I, I got to get, get over there some more. It's a great uh, room. Because, you know, Jeff Joe and I work together a lot, so he's got no problem putting me up. I just... It's fine. It's just hard. Like Monday nights, my wife has a commitment, so usually I can't have the kids and stuff. Um, and it's just a night off, dude. After doing, you know, ten, it's eight riot shows a weekend. You just like, I just need a night. You yeah. Know? So usually it's Monday night. It's yeah. I know I, it can be very taxing on you. Mm-hmm. I understand. Like going out every night. Yeah. <sighs> and just being on, you know, being on like the whole time, being on, making sure that everything goes smoothly, being on to make sure I can be there for the guests, being on, make sure I can be there for the comic, whatever they need. You're being just aware, on. being in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Policing the room. If you have to do that bullshit, cleaning the room, flipping the room, managing people like you're, just on, you're it's a, it's a job. It's the funnest job I've ever had, but you, it's, it's a job. It's work, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I love it. I don't even, you know, I don't even realize it that I'm doing it, but my point is after you're like, I'm yeah. wiped out, you know? And you can't shut it. Like after you get home, you don't shut it down. You, you still get you need an hour to cool that off. Mm-hmm. You know, your mind's still going, your body's still moving. You're like, so you don't get to sleep till one, two in the morning. And then you're like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta. When do you wake up? Well, that's well, yeah, that's the other thing. I got kids, so they don't give a shit. I'm up at 6am every morning, you know? <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. So, I, but here's the thing. I take a nap. I take uh, just power nap too. I'll set my alarm for 30 minutes or 25 minutes sometimes and just give myself enough time to get kind of a 15 minute power nap. Most afternoons, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, anywhere as many, as much as I can in there. And, uh, that's my coffee. I don't drink coffee. So that's my coffee. Well, I drink coffee, but I also take naps now too. Those yeah. naps are very important. Dude, it's weird. It's been, it's got a bad rep in our culture, but like well, Japanese like siestas in, in another know? call. Yeah. Siestas is a little extreme, but like, come on. Siesta's like, let's party all afternoon. And then like, let's take a two hour nap. But like, <sighs> Like at least with Japanese calls, you're like, I'm just gonna take a 10 minute nap at your desk. You know, if you did that in corporate, they'd fucking fire you. Dude. Oh yeah, you know definitely. what I mean. Which is backwards as shit. Because like, if you want to get a cup of coffee, that's 10 minute a thing. You go get up, you do do you talk to the office babe, whatever. You're but doing. it's the act of you being, of you doing something, of you being doing yeah, it's, an activity it's fucking or something, wrong, being though. active the whole. You know what time. I mean? It's the incorrect way to look at it. You know, because and then what you're getting is something that's counteracted to what your body needs. Your body just needs a little rest. It doesn't need a stimulant. It needs a little rest. Of course, but in American culture, if you're sitting down doing nothing, yeah, that's, that's my point. Bad. That's my yeah. point. And so, uh, so I'm just giving my body what it needs. It's like, hey, you're yeah. tired. You worked out all morning. You worked all weekend. Like, just take a little, take a little break for yourself and. I've, I've nobody's, uh, I hold myself accountable to it. That's why I set the clock. You know what I mean? And, uh, more people should do that. Cause that's what your body needs. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> fuck our American culture. You'll come back stronger, dude. You'll be better. I'll, that means I have more productive afternoons. That's man. I like that insight. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really good. Oh no. So been about an hour. It's been pretty good, man. This is, this is a good talk. Yeah, man. I fun. like this a lot, man. Yeah. I thank you for being on the podcast, man. This is having me, Joe. Yeah, man. Uh, is there anything you want to promote right now? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know, just the riot, dude. Like if you're if you're in Houston or if you're visiting Houston, check out the riot, the rioTX.com. We've shows every Thursday through Sunday, sometimes Wednesday. Um, <laughs> and then uh, breaking down bits is the podcast, breakingdownbits.com. So check that out. Those are the that's uh, interviewing comedians about comedy. We call it comics talking comics, comics com- comics talking comedy is the tagline. That's what we do for an hour. We talk about comedy. So those are the things. Uh, do you have any handles, Twitter? Instagram? Oh yeah, yeah, you can find me at the Brian Gendron's Instagram. Uh, but if you, I'm very community forward, like you know what I mean. Like I rather promote the riot, rather promote the breaking down bits. You know, myself secondary, but you know, it's still important, I guess. Yeah, man, yeah. you gotta promote yourself. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and you can always catch me at the Jocosity Instagram, Twitter, T H E J O E C O S I T Y. Whoa. Uh, let's see. I got Chilbra coming up May 14th. Get your tickets now on Eventbrite. $5 tickets. It's going to be a really fun show. Uh, what am I doing coming up? I'm doing Tuesday Gigante. Tuesday, May 10th. That's going to be fun. Uh, this upcoming Saturday, uh, we got a show. Uh, Clint Shorter, Nathaniel Amador's headlining. Oh, I'll yeah. be hosting. Where's it going to be at? Uh, it's at Hound Song Brewery in Columbus. Great, great room. You're going to have fun. Uh, I'm so excited right now. Uh, I think that's it for right now. Uh, that's all my shows. Uh, once again, follow the riot, htx.com. It's the website. Got a lot of fun shows. Once again, I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Man, thank you. Thank you.